minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff. That's right. Welcome, 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 wherever in the world you might be, however you found us. Welcome to the You Get the Horn Show. Excited. We got a lot to get through tonight, and we needed we needed some help, so we brought in a ringer. We got three of us tonight, so we got Tad, Jeff, and Hefe uh, in the house and ready to rock with this stuff. So, gentlemen, good to see you. How are we doing tonight? Yes, sir. Ready to go. I'm doing well, doing well. Yeah, ready to go. Glad to be back. Hopefully, uh, we give the people what they want, because that's what we do here. You know, a lot of times I talk about and I make the mistake of talking about that, you know, it's our job to entertain America. We entertain the world. Okay. So found out recently we, we end up, we've got a growing number of fans in the UK and uh, in some other countries as well. So I talk about America, not looking to leave anybody out. World, prepare to be entertained. So at the top of the episode, we'll do what we do every week. Talk about the, uh, the rundown. Rundown will be the topics that we will hit on tonight or at least plan to hit on tonight. We never get through everything, it seems like, and uh, we will probably cover more than these topics as well, but these are the topics that we will endeavor to touch on tonight. The NCAA tournament and uh, some details within that, Blue Bloods, New Bloods, who are the favorites from here as we go into the Sweet 16 and some other interesting stuff. Which team has improved the most in NFL free agency? A lot of moves being made, a lot of good choices. Which team do we think has improved the most? Washington Commanders, the NFL's Washington Commanders. Looks like the sale of that team is imminent, but we still don't know who's going to be buying it. So who do we think the buyer is? How much will it sell for? And will the addition of a basketball legend to the potential buying list uh, impact the sale of the team? Speaking of NBA legends, Michael Jordan selling the Charlotte Hornets. He's owned that team for a while now. We're going to talk about that. Also, a new company promises to be the top golf of baseball. We're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like. And then quick hits. We got Brandon Cooks traded for the fourth time in his career. NFL player Brandon Cooks. We're going to talk about that and what record he might be breaking soon. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about brackets busted. Oh, the tournament has uh, thrown a lot of people off and lost a lot of money for some people. So we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about one specific better. Uh, have a great story that you've got to hear about this uh, specific better and uh, game he chose to put some money on and how that played out. And it was could have been really good or really bad. It's going to be an interesting one. Got some fans, fascinating, fantastic stats on a Japanese pitcher uh, as we're going through the World Baseball Classic right now. We had an attendance... I would say an impactful attendance again in St. Louis for an XFL game. So we talked about uh, this a week or two ago, and we got a little bit more to discuss. Also, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell expected to sign a multi-year extension. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well, as well as uh, potentially a couple other little facts, stats, trivia, things like that, as we always talk about on the show. So, gentlemen, with all of that, we got our hands full. So let's start at the top. NCAA tournament, obviously, eyes are glued to the NCAA tournament right now. 
Uh, and they know how to keep themselves in the news because, man, these upsets, the games, the way they've played out is, has really been crazy. Uh, so, Hefe, since you haven't been on in a little bit, wanted to give you the opportunity first to kind of kick us off with the NCAA tournament and uh, what, what have been some of the surprises there, not necessarily even in games played. Sometimes it's games that didn't end up being played. So I'll let you kind of take <laughs> it away there. So uh, thank you, Chad, for the uh, great introduction for this new segment. <laughs> so um, yeah, this 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 tournament, my God, um, if you, if you filled out a bracket, obviously you've already crumbled it up and thrown it away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this thing has, yeah, this thing has not gone uh, in the direction that CBS had hoped for, uh, with them having the rights to air these games because um, you know you just everybody is losing that you would thought you had in the final four of the championship game. They're gone. Yeah. They're not there. It's not, it's not even forget about it. And me, um, you know, I'm, I'm a Carolina fan. I love my hurricanes, but growing up, I always watched uh, North Carolina, Dean Smith. Um, you know, they're, they're known as one of the blue bloods. You have Kentucky, you have yep. Duke, you have Kansas and you have Carolina. Those four teams, one of them, that was the preseason number one going into the into the season, right? Gone. They didn't even get invited. So bad that they decided, yeah, so bad that they decided not even to go into the NIT because they were just embarrassed of how the season went for them. Yeah. So hopefully they they go home, they think about things, and and they go ahead and just try to figure it out for next season. But not having Kentucky, Kansas, and and Duke in the Sweet Sixteen, that's something that it's not that it hasn't happened that long ago because in 2021 uh the same thing happened those teams uh they didn't end up making uh any of those teams didn't make it um however last year kansas and north carolina played for the national championship kansas winning but if you were to go back from 1980 to 2020 all or if not one of those teams had made the final four for 40 consecutive years one of those teams made it and right now we're sitting here not one of them is in there. And I'm, I'm telling you what, there's two number ones left in there. Um, and I would say Alabama probably has the biggest, if not best chance to probably go all the way. Um, they're a scary team in more ways than one. Um, so they can definitely, definitely make a run and and and, and, and do something uh, great as they have been doing in football. So right now there's like a little competition going on there, uh, you know, in, in Alabama. So, um, you know, it's just interesting to see how this thing all played out. But gentlemen, if you were to look at the field right now and you had to pick a team, who would it be? Who, where are you going? You don't got chalk. Now, mind you, Michigan State, not really a blue blood, but you know they have been successful in our years growing up. We've watched them. They've won championships. And UCLA. UCLA can be considered a blue blood. It could be considered 1,000% yeah. a blue blood because yep. obviously they have blue in their color. And they are – I mean, there was a stretch in, in the, what, the 60s that they won you know 10 in a row. So, sure. But, gentlemen, looking at this field – your guess is as good as mine. I have no, I have no idea which way to go. Well, look, I mean, the other thing is when you look at, you're talking about blue bloods, Duke and Kentucky both lost in the round of 32 to Tennessee and Kansas state. I mean, these are just not even like years ago, you would have never even considered those as, as potential losses. And so, yeah, it, it, it gets, it gets interesting from here. One thing that, uh, you kind of touched on a little bit. I just wanted to kind of get into apparently I read this was the fourth 
time right. since they came up with the Sweet 16. <laughs> yeah. Since they had the Sweet 16, it's the only the fourth time that neither Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, or UNC were involved. The only other times it's happened, 1976, yep. 1979, and 2021. And uh, so it's just it, – it's, it's, it's pretty am- amazing to see. Uh, and the other thing too, I just thought slightly random, but by Kentucky <laughs> losing, it means that UNC maintains its lead for the most NCAA tournament wins ever. Carolina has 131 NCAA tournament wins. University of Kentucky has 130. Had they won any games, really, like if they'd gone further into the tournament, they would have passed UNC because UNC wasn't even in the tournament this year. Uh, but since they lost, Carolina still holds on to that lead by one game for for most all time. Uh, but look, as far as who to pick from here, Jeff, I'm going to let you take this first because uh, you know I I, I got to wrap my head around you know the options here. Uh, I'm not I'm not even sure where I would where I'd go. Look, let me say this really briefly before before Jeff. So. I turned around a few weeks ago and I'm talking about the Furman Paladins, right? Furman making the NCAA tournament for the first time in 43 years. Then, uh, gosh, was that last week's show that we had our buddy Evan on, uh, to talk about his, his amazing run of betting through uh, Bleacher Report and everything, this viral betting. And, I tell him at the time, he asked me what my pick's going to be. I said, you know what? It's close to home. I'm going to say UVA. UVA then goes out and loses to Furman (laughs) in as shocking a game as you'll see. So I'm put on the spot. I say, give me UVA. UVA turns around and loses to the Furman Paladins. So it's, it's going to be a definite curse, whoever I pick. So, uh, Better, better get ready. Well, whoever I pick, watch out. You're going to lose to Coastal Carolina or uh, Full Sail University or something like that. So, uh, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, who are you seeing? What do you think? Uh, who's who's I, your I pick mean, here? It's just such a crapshoot. I mean, I was out in my bracket. The, I mean, first day, it, it, I think the second game, I, I think I was out. Um, right now, I mean, I picked Alabama. Um I don't know that I'll go off of that uh, right now. I mean, they got San Diego State next. Um, man, Texas is such a good, good team, but they've got to play Xavier. Um, Houston is obviously a great basketball team, and they're playing Miami. So, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I think I'll stick with Alabama. I don't see why I would go off of that at this point. I mean, they that's who I have um, still. I think the only team left I probably have in my in my bracket, so I'm just going to stick with them at this point. But it, it's just such a crapshoot. Um, can I say I'm, I'm not even sure I like the NCAA tournament? I just I, like I like it. I mean, I get the whole March Madness thing, and I get it. Um, but it, it, does this really determine who the best basketball team is? You play a whole entire year. What, I mean, I don't know what are they playing? 24, 25 games something like that, maybe a few more than that. I don't know. And then they get into a tournament. It's a one and done tournament. So, I mean, is this really the best way to determine who the best team is for the entire year? Like, do you think Purdue doesn't beat fairly, fairly Dick, Dickinson, 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 yeah. Dickinson. Uh, Dickinson. even at a best of three, do you not think Purdue who, came into the tournament as the number one seed. Do you not think they beat them even at a best of three? Like it just, 
it is just a one and done. It's just uh, whoever plays the best. It, 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 I, I don't know. It, it just it it just I don't know. I don't like it. I'd be perfectly honest. I've never been a big double uh, NCAA tournament fan. I, I just I just haven't. I, I I just it's not my favorite. It's it's fun to see the upsets, but then it's like really, you know, if if, if fairly Dickinson goes on, and, and I know they're already out, but you know, have they go on and won the championship? Or will you really consider them the best basketball team of the year? I, I, I don't know. Well, it's tricky, right? Because I, I guess it's like anything else. Um, and in fact, uh, Jeff, while we were sitting here, while you were talking, I just shot you a uh, little message in our chat for uh, for some stats that I found. But I think, uh, you know, the thing that's interesting is when we're going through, I, I don't know what the right and wrong is, right? I mean, in, in baseball and basketball, you have best of best of five, best of seven series. Of course, you're going to get the best player at that time, or I'm sorry, the best team at that time. Um, but at the same time, man, you, a big part of the tournament in general is these Cinderella runs by, you know, by teams and the upsets. And, and that those are the things that get people talking is that potential for crazy upsets. And, uh, and so I think that's, you know, and the truth of the matter is when you're watching the clips on, you know, CBS and all of the stuff, all the pregame and postgame, shows, most of those things are about unbelievable upsets from years past, right? Those are the old clips of, you know, people hitting the three or the, the layup with the time expiring and these types of things. It's like, that's where, you know, people, their focus is with the NCAA tournament. And honestly, now it's become such a, like a talking point about the tournament, right? It's like, that's the thing where people are, are holding on waiting. Oh, who's, who's going to be the 16 seed that upsets a number one this year. And you know, those types of things. I mean, it's tricky. It definitely does not tell you the best team. The NCAA tournament does not tell you the best team in basketball. It's just a snapshot of who is hot at the right time. But when is that not the case, right? I mean, you could say the same thing about the NFL playoffs. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's one game, right? And that's all it is. And teams make it in as a wild card and then they're able to make a run and, you know, all of these types of things. And so when we go through that, it doesn't seem to matter if it's the NFL playoffs, if it's the if it's the NCAA tournament. Anytime you're in a situation where it's a one game matchup, I, it, all bets are off at that point, right? I mean, that's all you can really do is 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 see you know who makes a run. But I do think uniquely the NCAA tournament has 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 built themselves as that Cinderella season type of thing. So, uh, Hefe, what do you think? I think. Personally, with with to to piggyback on what you were saying, it is it is that that upset that drives what it is that they're trying to do with this tournament. Because there's no other way that you know um, a team like uh, uh, Dickinson would ever you know be in in that moment to yeah. to beat them if it wasn't for the tournament. So um, being that I, I've watched it, uh, you know, growing up, and I. I, I I don't know that it will determine who, because I mean, there's been you know North Carolina teams, there've been Duke's teams that have been you know excellent, and then they get to the you know the Elite Eight and they don't go no more because their star just you know got hurt in the tournament or or he just they they just weren't clicking, something was wrong, you know. So you know, I don't know the best team overall. It it will determine, but but I think for the fans and the people that enjoy watching college basketball, um, you know. <laughs> Watching those upsets happen, like Princeton, like, come on, man. 
Like that's unreal. Like they and it's not the first time Princeton has done something like that where they beat they beat they beat t- Carolina. I've seen them beat <laughs> Carolina in the tournament and you know in yeah. the round of 32 to to keep moving on. Like I've seen those things happen and it sucks as a fan, but at the same time it's neat because it just the game of basketball, it's the one sport that it you know, football's not in every college. You know what I mean? There's certain right. sports that are not in every college and you have certain colleges that, that can afford to have basketball and they go in there and they do a great job. And, and not only that, it's also like, I think, um, Iona just hired, uh, Furline's uh, head coach or something like just give him a huge contract, uh, to, to be their, their head coach because of what the run that he did in the tournament, like it, it opened up a spot for him now to, to get a job at a bigger college. You know what I mean? So, you know, all those things considered, I enjoy it. I like it. Um, yeah, Jeff, I don't, I don't know that it, it, <laughs> it gives you a true, you know, best team in, in that year of, of college basketball, but, uh, but it sure is exciting. It, it sure is fun to watch it all unfold and, um, and happen. Yeah. Like I, I, me personally, uh, my hurricanes are still in it. Uh, they got a, a tough, you know, a tough matchup going against Houston. Um, I'm excited. My bracket isn't, is three quarters busted because for whatever reason, I actually took them to the championship game. It was a homer pick all the way. Um, I didn't think they had a chance, but you know what? Hey, they're making a run. Men's and women's, by the way, um, yeah. that are that are they're doing doing quite well. And um, matter of fact, it was a little weird. Actually, the men's played Indiana and the women's played Indiana, and they both beat Indiana to advance to the uh, round of nice. sixteen. So, anyways, wow. very nice. All right, so that's uh, that's basically the answer to your question, Jeff. Is that uh, no? Uh-uh. The NCAA tournament is not the way to pick the best team in basketball. I don't even think it even gives you an idea of the best team in basketball. But again, it's like the the, the NFL playoffs, everything else, man. Just one game at a time, and you, you know, any any given Sunday in in football turns into any given right. Tuesday afternoon in the NCAA tournament as you're moving through all these teams and games. So. As we move beyond that, out of the NCAA tournament, out of college, and into the pros, yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about an NFL free agency. Mm-hmm. So my question for you, gentlemen, is which team has improved the most in NFL free agency? I picked four off the top of my head, uh, and you guys may have these same four. We may have someone totally different. I threw out the Dolphins, the Panthers, the Bears, and the Lions. Uh, but curious to see, you know, where where you guys would go with it. So, who do you guys think has improved themselves the most in NFL free agency so far? Me personally, um, I like two of the four that you listed. I um, am super intrigued with what Detroit did. Um, I think they still have some great uh, picks coming up in this year's draft. They also went defensively and signed a bunch of people. And um, I'm 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 interested in in what the dynamic of that team is going to look like moving forward because I'm sorry but their head coach I'm telling you I've said it before people are willing to run through walls for that guy like like they he has them charged he has them motivated he has them moving in the right direction and I I think them that you know I I have a list here of who they picked up they pick up Chauncey Gardner Johnson they picked up David Montgomery. They picked up uh, Cameron Sutton. Uh, these are the these are the cornerbacks that they picked up: Emmanuel Mosley and guard uh, Graham uh, Glasgow. And again, they still have the sixth pick, the eighteenth pick, the forty eighth pick, and the fifty fifth pick in the draft. 
Gentlemen, they got two firsts this year. A lot of people don't realize that. This was a dangerous team that no one wanted to play at the end of last season. And now you're giving them two first round picks coming into this year. So it's uh, that they could be a tough, tough team. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And I got, like I said, I got, I was going to say real quick, I got the Dolphins at number two because of all the moves that they've made. But I'm not going to break that down. But I'm telling you, those are the two teams that I think that made the most improvements. Nice. Nice. Hard to argue those points. Yeah, I, I I mean, yeah, I mean, the Panthers, uh, you know, they trade their top, they trade to get the top draft pick. They sign uh, Adam Thielen, uh, running back Miles Sanders, tight end eight, uh, Hayden Hurst. Um, yeah. I think an underrated signing in Andy Dalton, because um, I think they're obviously going to take a quarterback, and I think he would be a great, um, you yeah. know, stopgap or even just, you know, kind of a mentor. They get um, Bengals safety Von Bell, uh, nose tackle yeah. Shy Tuttle. However, we can't really dismiss who they lost. You know, they lost Christian McCaffrey last year uh, for draft picks, and then they traded DJ Moore this year. Um, but that's that. You know, that's good, and it's hard to argue with the Bears what they've done. Um, they signed uh, linebackers TJ uh, Edwards and <laughs> Tremaine Edmonds, uh, but again. You're doing that because you're trying to replace Roquan Smith. Um, I, I like what the um, what the Lions did as well. Um, you know, uh, signing Cam Sutton, and then they um, signed running back David so strange. as well. Like you mentioned, uh, C.J. Gardner Johnson. I, I don't know how that guy only got a one year deal. I don't know what was up with that. That's so strange. Um, <laughs> they did lose Jamal Williams. Goal line had, beast. What, 462 <clears throat> touchdowns last year for the uh, for the Lions. I mean, I don't know. I knew it was just a touchdown machine. Uh, he goes and signs with the Saints. You know, I, listen, I, I, I'm a homer, but the Steelers really uh, did really well uh, so far in, in free agency, signing Patrick Peterson. Uh, they signed guard Isaac uh, Samula. Which oh, everyone is uh, just <laughs> harving players from the Eagles. I'm not sure what the Eagles are doing at this point. They are losing it, everybody. I mean, you just got to hope that the, that front office has a plan and knows what they're doing yeah. because, I mean, the fact that they lost, uh, you know, Gardner Johnson and he didn't, I, he didn't want to sign there long term. I, I I don't know what's going on. I mean, they go from. Yep. You know, they go from the Super Bowl to now they've lost what eight or ten players minimal, right? I mean, we knew it was going to be a lot, but whew, yeah, it seems like a lot. I hope uh, with Howie Roseman, right? Yeah. I, I hope he really has. Well, a, it's tough, has a, and a they got to pay Jalen Hurts soon. Yeah, he's so, built a great. You team, know, I mean, the whew, bottom line is they, man, they, they you know, everything that they're players. looking at doing right now is the Eagles have to look at it and say, how can we yeah. be competitive and stay competitive? We've been competitive and, and succeeded because we didn't have to pay a quarterback. They're getting ready to have to pay a quarterback. Life's going to start getting a lot more complicated. I was very surprised that they ended up re-signing Darius right. Slay because it looked like Slay was out the door. And there was actually a lot of talk about him going to the Ravens. And then kind of at the last second, they reversed yep. course and the Eagles were able to uh, to get him signed. But, you know, it was interesting. I think, you know, you were talking a little bit about the Carolina Panthers. It was it, this is kind of an interesting stat. Carolina has committed 100 Let me start this over. Hang on, sorry. My screen just flipped off here. Okay, yes. 
The Carolina Panthers have committed $116.75 million in free agent contracts this year with $70 million in guarantees. And that's all in the first week of free agency. So you're talking about a team that's trying to turn things around quickly. They brought in their new head coach, uh, you know, in, in Frank Reich, they've got, you know, some, they're making moves and, 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 you know, Hayden Hurst could also be kind of an underrated signing for them at the tight end position. Yeah, I like that. I like that signing. I honestly, I thought he would be a great stealer, but um, yeah, he, That's right. he played. And there, there we are again. Bengals now losing uh, several mm-hmm. key players as well. So, um, and again, whose contract's coming up? Another quarterback's contract is coming up for them. So, you're right, man. You 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 play on those five years with that rookie contract. Got to pay the piper sooner or later. <laughs> but then you know it, it. It's time to start paying. So. That's it, man. Uh, it's nope. it's interesting. No, this is still um, very very early yeah, in free agency, yeah, I and mean, the list of people done. that are I mean, available is still excellent. There, I mean, so. from Bobby Wagner and uh, Odell yeah. Beckham Jr. and I mean Austin Eckler is now out seeking a trade. It's not yeah. really free agency, but he's out seeking a trade, and the Chargers allowed that. And I listened to an interview with him today on uh, on Chris Long's uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm not here to plug chris long's podcast uh but but it's got it's got green light but uh but the the reality is that you know austin eckler's sure. talking on there and he's saying like i'm just hugely underpaid i'm getting paid about 50 percent of my value right now i'm gonna go out and score 20 touchdowns for you i'm gonna have 1600 all-purpose yards and i'm not making money and so like that's not gonna work and you know i gotta i gotta see what i can do about it so, so with that being said with him specifically, is it, do you think that it's a California thing because the dollar doesn't go as far as it does anywhere else? That's right. So That's very true. You know, they're there. If you know, I, I, I can't blame the guy for wanting to get out of there just on taxes alone. Like he also you know, is getting crushed by inflation yeah. <laughs> and cost of living <laughs> is the issue for him. It's hard to argue, hard to argue. <laughs> the economy has conspired against the, the economy has conspired against Austin yeah, Eckler. Right. So yeah, he yeah. needs to but go out California and make some getting more ready to do some. Uh... That's right. Well, That's I'm pretty right. sure California's getting ready to do all these reparations. Uh, One dollar. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, deserve something good to happen to So maybe you can. Uh, but yeah, look, there's one of those, but yeah. But I don't know what the draft compensation would be on someone like Austin. Like, what would what would a team have to give up plus sign him? I, I don't. Is there a market for him? Do you do you think there's anyone out there that would well, be like, yeah, Austin? Of course, now they're in L.A. The so that has, uh, has that has, <laughs> now that they move. For those of us, for those people who are listening to sure. the show for the first well, time, it's an ongoing issue on the show where we move. only refer. To the Chargers as the San Diego Chargers because we grew up with them as San Diego. Uh, yeah, sometimes you'll hear the Oakland Raiders. Uh, and we will there's different to do teams that. that you'll yeah. that you'll yeah. that you'll we'll hear. So. No one is going to ever <laughs> reference the L.A. Rams. That's that's something hard to get used to as well. So there's uh, there's going to be a lot of those mistakes made. But yeah. you know, there's been a lot of moves yeah. out there in free agency. A lot yeah, of players, sure. you know, jumping around. And yeah. and look, this is this is how life's going to be from now on and forever in the NFL. And the truth of the matter is you, you, there is some 
upside to these players. Okay, look, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole on this topic. Go, go deep. But the thing that frustrates me a little bit is we have players that complain that they want long-term security, that that's that's what they deserve because they're putting themselves at risk and everything else. And so they want a four or five, six year contract. But in reality, that's not what they want because with the cap changing so frequently, you can't have it both ways. You really, in a perfect world, you, every player should pull the Kirk Cousins and bet on themselves one year at a time or two years at a time and keep re-signing because you can make more and more and more and more money. There's only two ways that that won't work for you. Number one is if you're injured or number two, is if you flat out don't perform outside of that, that's what you should want. But if they get offered that by a team, then it's insulting. That's so right. if a team offers you a one or two year deal, then they're insulted by that because that well, I'm not in your plans long term. But then if a team offers a player a long term deal, then they're limiting their earning potential. So I don't understand how how teams can win sometimes. Like, look, I'm all for players making money, but pick what you want. Do you want the long term security or do you want as much money as you can make in the short term? They can't coexist. You're not going to have the long term security and always make the most money. So that's just that's just life, right? And so I, I don't. It, it frustrates me a little bit about how these players continuously act like they want everything, the best of both worlds, and there's no way that a team can can accomplish that for them. So I don't know. That's just my take on it. I think Ted just went. I think Ted just went down a Lamar Jackson trail right there. Yeah. He, well, he, honestly, know, he took it out a little well, personal tough. on that one. It's a little. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, right? So part really of it's did. definitely Lamar, but honestly, I'm looking at I'm looking at some of these <laughs> other players. Uh, again, you, you mentioned right, like uh, like Chauncey Gardner Johnson, right, signing yeah. a one year deal, one year. and it's like a one year. I think it's an eight million dollar deal or something like that. I don't remember exactly, and so. You know, you look at that and you go, okay, well, that guy turned down supposedly a three-year, and I believe it was a $36 million offer. And so he turned down a three-year, $36 million. Well, I'm I'm not great at math, but that's $12 million a year, and I know 12 is more than eight, right? So so he didn't want to get paid $12 million a year for three years because he wanted to test the market. Fair enough, man. Go test the market. But then he tests the market. Uh oh, you got a one year, $8 million deal. And now that's what you got stuck with. And then you hear people making it seem as if he got ripped off. And it's kind of like, well, no, no. he got exactly what he wanted because the choice was his 100%. And, you know, there's, and and guess what? If he goes and he balls out, which he probably will, then he's going to be able to turn around and make a ton of money. And and, and James Bradbury is another guy, right? We're talking about Eagles for some reason, but, you know, he was on the Giants just a couple of years ago. Then they're having to get him re-signed. And so you go through this and it's just, it, look, if you're a player and you're at the top end of things, it does not necessarily benefit you to sign a six-year deal. I mean, to sign that two- or three-year deal and then re-sign again and just keep making money. Yeah, I completely, yeah, agree with you. I I, I, I think, yeah, they, they do want it both ways. I mean, you, you look at someone mm-hmm. else that uh, Dalton Schultz, I mean, he he supposedly had uh, declined uh, of like a thirty six million dollar right. offer with uh, with the Cowboys. Ends up signing a, a one year deal. Million. <laughs> so there's another one. Um, at the same time, I don't like. Did did he have to sign so quickly? No. I mean, I, or is it just <laughs> nobody else well, offered? 
Like, it just seemed like, you know, especially with uh, with Gardner Johnson, like, all right, he tests for agency. And then it's like the next week or next right. day, not <laughs> next week, next day, two days, he's signing that one-year deal. So was it the word got around and it was like, no, nah, no one's going to offer I really think panic sets in. Yeah, well, let me just I really this. think panic sets I, in because you always hear people talk about agents I, talk about curious. like, okay, the big money gets spent. In that first week. And so if you haven't gotten signed, right but it's front. like, look, man, sure. if you're a, if you're a good player, teams are going to find a way to make it work. They, Always. your position may not be the priority for them, yeah. but look, I mean, these guys are not just, you know, they're not going to be jobless, right? You're going to get a job and you're going to make money and you're going to do very well for yourself. But you're right. I mean, you do see some of these yeah. players and it's kind of like, man, what's, what's like, why did you rush that? You didn't need to, to pull the trigger on that so quickly. I wonder, yeah, that that's that's a thing. Like, I, I always feel like there's so much more that we don't know, and we're just kind of sitting back looking at it and saying, okay, why did he have to sign that so quickly? But then it's like, okay, did his agent legit go through every single team and everyone was like, no, right. we're not interested? I mean, clearly that's an agent's job is to try to drum up interest or see who has interest. So maybe that's it, but yeah. And then you can't go back. I mean, is it just putting your tail between your legs and you just, you can't go back to the Eagles and like, all right, I'll sign the deal or the Eagles now. Cause I think the Eagles actually did go out and sign someone else. So maybe that was a situation, but someone like Dalton Schultz, could he not go back to the Cowboys and say, right. All right, I'll sign your deal. Or the Cowboys just, well, my guess is that they would be saying, forget it. And I I say that because think about it. If, if I offered you this deal, and then you said, eh, I'm going to shop it and see what else is out there. And then you turn around and you come back to me. Well, now I know nobody must be close to this deal. So guess what? I'm not bidding against myself. That deal's no longer on the table. I'll sign you, yeah. but it ain't going to be to that same deal. I'm going to give you something less now. Like, yeah, I guess that's it. Because I mean, if you wanted him at 36 million, like you don't want him now, at, like now you're trying to just hardball him. And maybe that's why he's deciding, all right, I'll just take yeah. a one year deal. And then me personally, I, I think maybe outside of all of that, he just probably wanted to go to Detroit and play with Campbell. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe we're not even looking at the whole thing. Maybe that's what he was willing to do to risk it, to sign the one year deal in hopes that if he does well, they'll give him a longer contract further down the road. Mostly, he just wanted to get out of there, Philly, to go over and play at Detroit with their head coach, and he maybe likes what's going on there. I don't know. Do people really love Dan Campbell that much? I don't know, man. He just seems like a like a a raw raw guy to me. Like I just feel oh, like absolutely I'm old after a while. I, who knows? I'm just I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. Know. Obviously, we don't know the situation, but maybe yeah. maybe that's it. Maybe no, he sure. just wanted no. to go there and play. Yeah. Who knows? Well, I'll tell you, you know, briefly, I, I listened to an interview today with offensive lineman Andrew Wiley. Andrew Wiley's played on the Chiefs for a while, and he actually signed this offseason as a free agent with the Washington Commanders. And I thought this was very interesting. So they're interviewing him and they ask him about, you know, what made you choose the Commanders? What was the process like for you? And this is really, I thought, I thought it was really compelling because it's something that we have talked about on this show at length, Andrew Wiley said that the reason he wanted to sign with the Washington commanders was to be able to continue to play for Eric B He oh. called him out very specifically and said, I would have probably followed him wherever he went. I wanted to play for Eric B I know what wow. he's like. I know what he's going to do for that team. And I wanted to be a part of it. 
And look, I don't know exactly what Andrew Wiley could have made in the free, in the market as a free agent. He signed a three year, $24 million deal with the commanders. It was an $8 million signing bonus, 12 million of it's guaranteed. Uh, so it's an average annual salary of 8 million. Uh, so, I mean, you know, again, it's a good deal, but it doesn't sound to me like Washington just paid him so much more than, than anyone else. Sure. He really, really yeah. had nothing but positive things to say about Eric B and really wanted to continue his career with him and felt like that was going to be the best thing for his career. So, you know, listening because we've talked so much on this show about Eric Bieniemy and and what's going on. Why hasn't he been a head coach? Do people just not get along with him? What do the players think? And you've heard different things from LaShawn McCoy and other former players. Some really like him. Some really didn't. And, you know, Andrew Wiley, a guy who's playing right now, leaves the Chiefs where he's won multiple Super Bowls to then go to the commanders to be able to follow him. And I thought if he's willing to do that for the offensive mm. coordinator, then yeah, man, maybe it is. You see what's happening in a place like Detroit with Dan Campbell and the talent that they're amassing. And you understand they have a couple more first round picks this year and they're only going to get better. And maybe you are on the, on the upswing there. Hard to say for sure, but it uh, seems like a possibility. I could. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I would, think you'd want to do that on the back end of your career <laughs> yeah. major money like, Maximize I, don't the I, I don't i i mean i feel like i could go yeah i mean i feel like i'd go play for you know the houston texans uh, although my, i like what yeah. they're doing there as well but you know what i mean i would love to go i would go play for the the bottom basement dwellers if they're offering yeah. me the most money early in my career anyways maybe that second contract then i'm a little more picky but yeah phew, like i just can't imagine giving up you know, $20 million to go play with um, like Andrew Wiley to go play with a uh, Eric B who's probably not even involved <laughs> in any of the day to day with the enemy. I mean, yeah. he's got his own, you know, he got the offensive line coach. What, you know, I don't know how much does you really coach him up. So, Hey, good on him though. I mean, that's at least it's bodes well or it speaks does. well to be enemy. And also, so, so speaking of the Washington commanders and the decision to go there, I uh, don't know if Andrew Wiley knows anything that we don't know uh, that made him feel more comfortable, but it certainly seems like the Washington commanders and their sale, the sale of the Washington commanders is imminent. We are very, very close. It looks like very close to the Washington commanders being sold. And we have a number of potential buyers that have lined up. No one knows for sure who the buyer is, but we do know that, gosh, I think it was at the end of December that Dan and Tanya Snyder cleared all their stuff out of the uh, out of the stadium and out of the offices there. Uh, so it definitely looked like it. And a very interesting fact came out recently that the way that Washington is structuring their free agent contracts That's a, is such yep. that these payments are not getting made until like May. Normally, it's 15 to 30 days from the time of, of the, the contract signing. These payments aren't being made until a couple of months from now, and that's obviously to allow the new owners to be the one making the payments because clearly I can't even blame the Snyders for this. None of us would want to do it either. They're not going to be writing checks for for players that play on a team that they no longer own. So, you know, ultimately the contracts are being structured in that way in order for them to to move away from the team. So then we start looking at the ownership groups. And one of the most interesting things that has come up. So we have Josh Harris, uh, who is one of the main bidders and Josh Harris uh, and his partner own the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA. 
They own the New Jersey Devils in the NHL. And Washington area billionaire Mitchell Rails is uh, supposedly also part of Harris's group to purchase the Washington Commanders. But then they added a new name very recently, and it's a name that most people know, even though not associated with the NFL. NBA Hall of Famer and legend Magic Johnson just joined the ownership group that's bidding on the Washington Commanders. And to me, this is a no-brainer, right? This is what the league is looking for. And and I'm going to say this, you know, in in very realistic terms. The NFL now can safely accept this bid and they get a celebrity minority owner who can help to be a face of that team to the public. I mean, this is a no-brainer in my opinion. This is why it seems to me that 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 Harris group is going to be the one to be able to close on Washington. Doesn't mean it's a done deal, but it sure seems more likely that they're able to bring in. And, and again, I'm sure that's why they did it. <laughs> that's why the Harris group, they don't need his money. They have plenty of money. Uh, they did it to be able to increase their their chances of being able to to get the deal done. Thoughts on that? Yeah. Now, you remember, though, um, last year, Magic Johnson also had joined them Um and their failed bid to get the Denver Broncos. So it's definitely not a done deal. It seems like he attaches himself um, whenever they need that, um, (laughs) you know, extra person to kind of push him over the edge. Um, So it it definitely not a done deal. It makes sense to me though, uh, you know, just for Washington to have, you know, a full-time, you know, minority owner. I I, I just think it makes perfect sense uh, in Washington itself. Um. You know, there's only a handful of minority uh, owners. Uh, John Stallworth owns a small minority in uh, in Pittsburgh, and and Warwick Dunn actually owns a small <laughs> percentage in Atlanta, which I didn't know that until today. But um, yeah, uh, it, the sales definitely got to happen. It's it's definitely imminent, um, and I think um, I think Snyder will sell to anyone not named uh, <laughs> last name Bezos. Um, I just, he just will not sell it to that guy, no matter how much he owes or how much he'll even put out there for him. I, I think that's just a pride thing. And it's so funny because I start, I was calling so. Bezos to make this move. I mean, gosh, I don't even, September, October, something like that. I was saying on, on this show, actually, uh, talking with our buddy T Rock, saying that, man, this just feels like the perfect fit for Jeff Bezos. He already has a Washington presence here on the Washington post, everything else. Uh, but man, you can't underestimate. Yeah. Now it's, it's interesting. You can't underestimate the power of a feud, but boy, you also can't underestimate the power of money. Mm. So I'm not ready to completely count Jeff Bezos mm. out. Uh, even though it doesn't look like it, I'm not going to, I'm not going to count him out, out totally. Uh, but it is interesting. If you look at magic Johnson, the, the what he's already owning as it pertains to sports teams I mean, he owns, he has a stake in the LA Dodgers, mm-hmm. uh, Major League Soccer's uh, LA Football Club, mm-hmm. and the WNBA's LA Sparks. And so the, he, he owns plenty of teams. And so that, you know, he, he kind of knows what goes on with that. And as you mentioned, you know, part of the, the bid for the Denver Broncos. So that team sold for $4.65 billion. Forbes estimates that Washington is worth $5.6 billion. And we know from reports that Dan Snyder was wanting to get $7 billion for the team. Honestly, that's not that crazy to me. I don't think it'll happen, 
But I, I think he could easily get six, six yeah, and a half. Yeah. I don't think is unrealistic at all. Uh, it just shows what good business owning an NFL team is. I mean, you look at Snyder, he bought that team for 800,000, I mean, $800 million. Dan Snyder bought the Washington Commanders for $800 million. And now he's looking to sell it for, you know, six to seven billion. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a heck of an investment in, in a relatively short period of time in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah. Hefe, what do you got? Yeah. I was going to say, how long did he, how long ago was that that he bought them? Do we, do we have that? that oh, time was frame? that 99, I think? So if, if, I was going to say, if for, it was in 99, I think they, they had valued it at the time as one of the most valuable franchises ever to be sold. And it was now, the most. Yeah. Okay. So it was the most. And so now, you know, we'll talk about, you know, investors out there, ROI, got to get that ROI, return on investment. And uh, you can say that he did that and then some with with what they're valuing it at like $5.6 billion. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd take that. I'd take that all day. But as far yeah. as. And that's with running the. Yeah, oh, absolutely. With Destroying it. Yeah. Ground. <laughs> So yeah, it was honestly, you did the most terrible job in the world and you're going to make probably a good, uh, $5 billion. It was 1999. It was 1999. So Dan Snyder bought the team in 1999 for $800 million. And now, you know, again, I would expect somewhere between five and a half and seven billion that he'll sell it for. Sure. And, And so as far as the celebrity connection with Magic Johnson owning them, like I, I remember it was about maybe 10, 15 years ago. I think the Dolphins were on this new kick of trying to mm-hmm. um, get get people involved. And so, you know, they wanted celebrities that wanted a stake in the team. So you had J-Lo buying, you had the Williams sisters getting in and uh, putting money in, into the franchise. And so now they're like, you know, they're celebrity owners of the, of the franchise just to get like they thought that that would help with attendance. Like. Come yeah. to the games. You can hang out with these guys. Right, you'll I, see celebrities. I, yeah, I, I don't even know if it if it did anything. And uh, the only other celebrity that I remember uh, having stake in in a team, more so for his face, I think was Usher when he bought I think some of the Atlanta uh, Hawks team. Like he mm. was part owner of them, and they would always have him, you know, sitting in the front row and and all that jazz. So I don't know if it's that or if if it's more, you know, yes, it's a minority bid, you know, and he has you know, a lot of stake in the game. I don't know how much money he's going to bring to the table with those guys being that they're, you know, billionaires, but we do know Magic Johnson knows how to entertain, right? His, a lot of his money's tied up in movie theaters and the experience that he created. And that's a lot of where his wealth came from was him, you know, taking rundown areas, building them up, putting movie theaters, shopping malls, doing all that stuff. So he does know how to make things work as far as, you know, constructing a business and building it up because the commanders, like we just were joking about, um, they're going to need a lot of help and a lot of, you know, you know, fan service to try to get them back in the fold for what, you know, Dan Snyder essentially kind of destroyed. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because I, from what I read, I think that Magic Johnson only put about 50 or $55 million into the ownership group for the Dodgers. So it's not like he, you know, he didn't put up a billion dollars or anything like that to be part of that ownership group. Now he probably has a small piece of it. Uh, but at the same time, that's the, that's the overall situation is just, you know, he's not putting in tons and tons of money. He's definitely has these associations just for his celebrity status, his, his face, yeah. his name and, and the relations that it will bring. Anything else with that before we move on? What do you think? The, what do you guys think the team will sell for? How much? Oof. If I ha- 
Yeah, six, I'll, yeah. You know what? I'll just go six point one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the Price is Right. Just got to get the closest. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I, I mm. think it could go as high as six six point five. Mm. I don't think it'll go higher than six point five billion, but I think it could go to six point five. Particularly when you look at the group that you know that is that they've put together, you know that, that's bidding on this. Money's no issue. Yeah. So if they decide that they want it, and Dan Snyder, we know is going to try to get top dollar. Yeah. So you know they they could they could do something there. The you know the deal for the Denver Broncos was for four point six five billion dollars. Now the Broncos are not a you know I don't know a, a heritage a legacy team in quite the same way that Washington is. People think of Washington now in such a different way than what Washington had been looked at for the first you know, 50 years or whatever of its existence. Yeah. Washington all the way up into the nineties was like, you know, I don't know the Lakers and the Celtics would be in the NBA. Like just one of those, one of those pillar teams, it would have been like the Washington Redskins, the green Bay Packers, the Dallas Cowboys, like the Chicago bears. Those were like the main four that you would look at as, you know, who you would associate right away. If you think of NFL teams, those were some of those heritage teams. And, you know, obviously Washington's fallen on hard times, but there's no reason to believe that they can't get things back on track. They're going to have some work to do, but look, a new ownership group starting from the top down could definitely make some impressive changes there. So I won't be surprised if this bid goes all the way up to six and a half billion. I think, I think that's possible. Yeah. I'm going to wonder too, um, how much, yeah, how much it goes beyond that only because they'll, they'll need a new stadium. I mean, and so now, you know, that's going to be something the new ownership group is going to have to come into. So they're getting a stadium that's just, Jump. Oh, yeah. Just we've talked about it on past shows. Uh, location, the stadium itself, just garbage. So I'm just wondering, you know, with them coming in and saying, "All right, well, great, we got the team, but we're going to have to, you know, throw another two billion dollars into building the stadium." Um, yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, I'll be curious to see how much it goes over. Uh, it goes over the. Uh, I can tell you, range. you hit the nail on the head. I have it on range. very good authority. Mm. From people in the meetings that when they were working on a new stadium in Washington, Dan Snyder had personally committed to two billion of his own money to be able to have that stadium built. Everything else, if they went above that, would have come from public money. Now, that could also be why he decided, screw it, let me get out of here and not bother because I don't want to have to put up two billion dollars to build the stadium. But that's supposedly the deal uh, <laughs> sure. that that you know he had made a commitment, and we know you know he had gone on his tour all around the world, looking at all the best stadiums, and you know really trying to to kind of gather a lot of information. So, from what I understand from people that were there who have told me personally, he committed to two billion of his own money to have a new stadium built. So, I think that seems to be the magic number for new owners coming in. The other thing, though, is that particularly in DC. You can make money on these stadiums. I, I mean, if you think about particularly like even the XFL, they yeah. play at Audi Field right now in D.C. because it's a smaller field. They don't need, you know, FedEx Field is one of the largest stadiums in the NFL. People don't realize that. The seat's over 80,000 people. It's insanely large for a team that can't draw, you know, a third of that in terms <laughs> of fans right now. So they can build a new stadium 
in that 45 to 50,000 seat range. And you can host so many events. And we're talking, and very specifically, again, I, I know this from the meetings, they very specifically, uh, the commanders were, were wanting to make sure that a new stadium could be built and finished in time for the 2026 World Cup because that was going to be their grand unveiling was to host a World Cup game. This would have been before the commanders would have played a game in the new stadium. The grand unveiling is going was supposed to be ideally the the World Cup. And so that was going to be how they how they you know showed off the new stadium. Uh, obviously things have changed. I'm sure the timelines uh, have changed for all of that as well. Uh, but again, that's that was the idea. And so when you think about that ability to host World Cup events and all of these other things, there's just so much. Uh, you know, these stadiums can make money if they structure it the right way. Not to mention where Washington is, you have DC, Maryland, and Virginia that will all be bidding on the ability to have that 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 stadium there. And that makes a huge, huge difference as well. So yeah. Any any uh, any other sure. thoughts? I think it's pretty wild that two billion dollars is not enough to get you a new stadium. Listen, I'm in real estate. I know that the cost of construction is going up, <laughs> and I, I get that. But I think it's wild that to think that, like, I don't. I mean, I, I'm sure we can look up what Jerry Jones spent on on Jerry Jerry's World and all these new stadiums being built. But my God, two billion dollars isn't enough to get you a stadium. Now I'm sure land is an issue, especially in the DC area. Like I couldn't even imagine them trying to create enough space in that area to, to put a team or to build something like that. But anyways, that's, that's wild, man. Yeah. Well, and it's funny too, because if you look, uh, I think the, the Rams uh, at SoFi field, I think that was two or two and a half billion. Uh, The Raiders and Allegiant Field in Vegas, I think, was 1.6. Don't hold me to that, but but I think it was right around that. So, I mean, that does seem to be the the kind of the standard for whatever reason. I don't know that it necessarily – that that has to be the case, but it it seems like that is a that's that's kind of a a pretty realistic number nowadays. Particularly now, these stadiums are all trying to be cutting edge, and you know who knows? I mean, even in Washington, they could justify having a dome or something like that as well. You know, so that could be something to look at too. Just gives you the ability to do to do more. So, but moving on, Michael Jordan selling the Charlotte Hornets. Jordan has owned the Hornets for a while now, and he is in talks to sell the team. He has been, uh, let's see, blah, blah, blah. He paid 275, Michael Jordan paid $275 million for a majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets. It was the Charlotte Bobcats back then, the Charlotte Hornets in 2010. He's been the owner there for 13 years. So he paid $275 million. Uh, keeping in mind, if we look at this, the Atlanta Hawks were sold in 2015 for 850 million. So I think it's safe to say that if Jordan's going to sell this team, he's probably doing it at a pretty smart time because I think this thing could sell for quite a bit of money. I've read that they valued that franchise at 1.77 oh billion. Yep, I heard 1.7. So yeah, ranks. Now listen to this though. 
uh, it ranks 26th in the league. There's 30 teams in this in the NBA. Michael Jordan's Charlotte Hornets ranks 26th, and it's still worth 1.77. Yeah, it's crazy. And he and he bought it for 275 million in 2010. So I mean, we're we're talking about the return on the Washington, you know, the Commanders deal. And that was from 1999 to now 800 million turns into say 6 billion. But I mean, even this 275 million to 1.7 billion in 13 years. 13 years yeah. I mean, the, the, the ownership of these pro sports teams, it's showing that it is a good investment. It makes sense if you can find a way to make it happen. Yeah. Again, and yes. his team is terrible. His teams have yeah. been terrible forever. <laughs> You're 26th in the league and you're still almost $2 billion. So yeah, it just, it doesn't matter. You do not have to be a good yeah. owner. Your team will still gain money, well, which is, is insane. Not at, listen, I hate to say this, anything negative about Michael Jordan. You know, we've, we've broken bread true. with Michael true. Jordan. You know, we, we've, uh, we, we've gambled with the man. We are, very, we um, are a very Jordan friendly show. I, I never say anything bad about. Yes. Very Jordan friendly show, but let's be honest, this dude no has not no. been a great owner. No, and honestly, I don't know if this is because of you know incompetence or if it's just because he doesn't care that much. He doesn't need this. Like, like very few owners probably do as yeah. many other things outside of owning their team as Michael Jordan does, and those other things are just on a yacht, vacationing in Croatia fishing tournaments like not business stuff like michael jordan is living the business of michael jordan that's that's all he does and so this ownership thing for him is just a thing he does now had he paid 1.7 billion dollars for the team like someone will be from him maybe he would treat it a little bit differently the reality is this this just wasn't a, a massive purchase and you know he i don't know how much he cares about it but he certainly hasn't had success with it well, you know, Michael Jordan has that he's he's reached that level of of money uh, to have fu money, right? Like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just whatever. So, Michael Jordan likes racing. What does he do? He buys uh, an NASCAR team. Michael right. Jordan likes likes motorcycle racing. What does he do? He has a motorcycle racing team. Michael Jordan likes to play golf. What does he do? Build the most <laughs> exclusive country club. Golf, you know, uh, yeah. what is it? I think it's 18, 36, I forget how, 72 holes or something, something to that extreme where you can play the course three different ways and never play it the same way because he, he wanted to have his own course. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, he wanted to buy a basketball team, so he bought it. So maybe he didn't care how it ran. You know, who yeah. were his GMs? Was he the GM making? Because I know, Jeff, I think you, you, you said you have a list of the draft picks that he's had over the years, which I, I can't wait to hear. And who he who he passed on to get for the you know for their franchise. Um, so for me, it's like I'm with you, Ted. Like maybe he just didn't care. He just had yeah. it to have it, and that's it. Well, yeah, and he's he's roughly gonna seven x his money in 13 years, from 275 million to again valued supposedly at 1.7. That's not to say that he couldn't get more for it than that. I you know I don't want to like lose sight of the tra- of the fact that the 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 Hawks in 2015 sold for 850 million, and so when we look at just how things have accelerated right. from 2015 to now, I think arguably the Hawks. Well, first of all, they're definitely in a larger market than Charlotte. Sure, 
you would definitely think that the right. Hawks are a more valuable franchise. They've been a more successful franchise, and they sold for $850 million. That tells me, and that was in 2015, that tells me today they could probably eclipse $2 billion themselves, maybe even push closer to two and a half, right? I don't know the current values, you know, if one of you looks that up or something. I don't know the current value of the Atlanta Hawks, but I would be willing to bet that they're somewhere between two and two and a half billion. And so from 2015 at 850 million to now pushing two to two and a half, I mean, this just this last few years, just the last seven or eight years, what we've seen as far as the price is skyrocketing, it's incredible. Yeah, it's it's nuts. I mean, that's that's it. And again, it's not like the Atlanta right. Hawks have gone out and won championships um, yeah. since 2015 either, right? I mean, it's just it's it's insane. It's crazy. So, yeah, I, I often wonder how much uh, Jordan had a say in um, you know in in his uh, draft picks. I, I presume that everyone was um, you know yeah. whatever Michael wanted, he got. But. Um, Let's take a little journey. I, speaking on Ted, uh, listen. Into, you asked about yeah, the whole, yeah, the the whole value of the uh, Atlanta Hawks. I looked it up real quick, and right now they're valued at two billion dollars. There you go, right? So two billion. Two billion. Yeah, and so and it makes sense, and they'd probably sell for more than that. That's sure. that's their yeah. value. That's not the street value. You know, the market value obviously value. ends up pushing that higher. So. Yeah, these teams, man, that they're and again, they're not going down. No. And not only are they not going down, they're not slowing down. The value of the teams is actually escalating at a faster rate than ever before. So even though the prices are higher, the value of the investment is just skyrocketing. So it's it's uh it's pretty unbelievable. So changing topics. We all know top golf. Oh yeah. The, the business, the event Top Golf, you go to Top Golf. If you're listening to this, and again, we have friends, uh, you know, overseas, they may not be familiar with Top Golf. So, I just want to explain for anyone who hasn't been to a Top Golf or seen a Top Golf, what it essentially is is multi-level with driving range bays uh and games that you can play. You're hitting targets and different things like that. And of course, there's open bar, there's food, you know, all kinds of stuff. So you're there, you're kind of hanging out, listening to music. It's not really golf per se. It's like it's like an elevated driving range where you're hanging out with friends and eating and drinking and having fun and playing games and that type of stuff. So it's kind of a, an entry level. Anyone doesn't know, it doesn't matter if you know how to play golf or not, you can go to Top Golf and still have a good time. Top Golf's been very successful. And then more recently, you started having a competitor called Drive Shack. And we've been to Drive Shack before, uh, and you know it, you wouldn't know the difference if they blindfolded you and they dropped you in one. They're they're the same thing, right? Top Golf and Drive Shack, uh, and it's a great business model. So a new company has promised to create the Top Golf of baseball, and so I want to run through this a little bit. Uh, so there's a baseball entertainment venue called Home Run Dugout. And they already have one location open in Texas. They're going to be opening a second location in Katy, Texas on March 30th. So like Top Golf, Home Run Dugout combines sports, food, and entertainment in one upscale setting and happens to boast Hall of Fame pitcher Nolan Ryan as an investor. Nolan Ryan is an investor in Home Run Dugout. And so what Home Run Dugout does is that Unlike, you know, traditional batting cages where you kind of put a helmet on and you, you put money in a machine and you try to hit a, hit a ball. This is a 46,000 square foot facility 
that has indoor soft toss baseball. And so I'll kind of explain what this is because they have restaurants and bars and all these things, but they have these virtual batting bays where you can actually pick what stadium you want it to look like. And it has like a virtual reality thing that feels like you're in the stadium, whatever the design of the stadium is, you want to go to Yankee stadium, Camden yards, wherever you want to go. And then it's just lobbing baseballs out for you to try to hit home runs in your favorite stadium. And you're hanging out and drinking and eating and everything else as well. So, so it is a little bit different. It's not like a batting cage type thing to give you the full rundown. It's a 46,000 square foot facility. Uh, They have a full service restaurant, three bars serving 20 craft beers, 12 virtual batting bays. They have a beer garden baseball mini field for wiffle ball, live music, a concert stage, a dog park, uh, all kinds of stuff. So uh, they have big plans to expand and uh, wanted to get you guys' thoughts on is there a market for a top golf for baseball? What do you what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, nothing says a uh, good time like uh, being drunk and having a baseball bat in your <laughs> yeah, hand. That sure. sounds like it should go yeah. should go well. <laughs> nothing so, will go wrong. I, I, no, not at all. I mean, I can't imagine the uh, baseball bat slipping out of your hands and going right through one of their yeah. $100,000 screens that they have. <laughs> I, 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 I wonder... Are they real baseball bats? Does it say? It does yeah, not like, say whether or not they're real baseball I, bats. Uh, that I, I saw something about like the pitches come in like what seven miles, seven an hour miles or an hour. They like they actually so home run dugout dubs themselves as the home of the seven mile per hour fastball. That is their <laughs> that is their thing. So this is they're the home of the seven mile per hour fastball. This is very much just a slow toss. Like they want you to be able to crank this thing. To, to have the experience of hitting a home run in your favorite stadium. Now, again, all you're doing is hitting it into a, a cloth screen, basically. So it's, it's a little bit different than the visceral effect. I think of, you know, hitting a, hitting a, 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 a driver with golf and watching that ball go out there. It's a little different. I, I'd be curious to check it out though. Yeah, so the World of Beer just uh, opened up a place that's called World of Beer and Food or something like that. And uh, so now uh, not only do they have all their their beers that they bring in from around the world, um, but they also now are serving food. And so in there they had um, a simulator area where you can uh, pick a sport, Uh, two different giant screens, and you could play hockey, uh, golf, uh, uh, soccer, and uh football so where you're you know you have a football and there's a giant screen and you're throwing the football to the target stuff like that um so i i get the concept of what they're going to try to do with with you swinging the ball the bat yeah. and, and and ball stuff like that um i i was intrigued uh when we when we were talking about it before but now that you've explained it um <laughs> i i don't know if i'm sold um i i do still play a lot of sports uh, at my old age, I still get out there and play uh, softball and basketball and stuff like that. So I, if it was something more of, of, of a live pitch, you know, where, where they're tossing it to you, I, I could see that being uh, more entertaining or, or better for you. But I, I, I don't know. I guess if you're going to have a drinks and hanging out, it, I think it could work. Um, but the wiffle ball thing, that, that was really cool. If they have an actual wiffle ball field there and you can play, that's, that's, that would, that would, that would definitely be intriguing. So I, I don't know. California, Florida, Texas, I think you can get away with it because they play baseball year round here. So I don't know. Well, it's, Which is probably the spots that they'll end up. Yeah. 
moving to next. That's what they always do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so they have, uh, yeah, this is going to be their second location. It's a beautiful looking setup. I mean, it is impressive. And to answer your question, yes, home run dugout has an outdoor full wiffle ball field. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, full wiffle ball field. And then kind of the, the indoor ish bays, the covered right. bays where you, uh, where you hit the, hit the baseball. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of an interesting idea. Uh, sure. so, you know, I'd be kind of curious, but then that also kind of led me into something else. And I haven't even had a chance to talk with you guys about this cause I couldn't find it earlier and wasn't sure if, if I definitely want to talk about it, but have you guys heard about this, um, this thing that Tiger Woods is invested in called pop stroke. Yeah. You familiar with that? Yes. Mm-mm. Jeff, you've not heard of that. So no. Taylor made the golf company just made a big investment into pop stroke. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of an interesting thing because pop stroke, they mix upscale putting courses with a restaurant, bar, and other gaming experiences. So they currently have six locations. Five are in Florida, one's in Texas. Two more are under construction in Arizona. And so uh, it's kind of interesting there because, again, everyone seems to be, and it's not like I'm going to talk a whole lot about this thing, but I thought it was interesting that it's still a similar type of thing where everyone's trying to kind of find these entertainment things. And if you can't afford to buy a sports team, you try to find some ancillary sports related thing. So maybe someone can't own a golf course, but you can go and and, and play and, and and do this other thing that's golf adjacent and, uh, and get people, you know, interested in that. But the other thing I didn't know, you know, a lot of people, you see the name Taylor made in golf and Taylor made is a, is a pretty big name. Yeah. I did not know they're actually owned by a South Korean company. TaylorMade was acquired by a South Korea investment company for $1.71 billion in 2021. Wow. And what's interesting is TaylorMade had previously been connected to DriveShack. So we talked just a minute ago about DriveShack being a top golf competitor. So they had been uh, they've been acquired so taylor made is owned by the south korean investment company but they had been connected with drive shack not coincidentally callaway owns top golf <laughs> callaway bought top golf uh just a year or two ago uh and so callaway owns top golf and taylor made was invested in drive shack so it's kind of a, it, all of this stuff is very interesting to see, you know, how they all come together because Callaway bought, bought Top Golf in 2021 for $2.6 billion in stock. Dang. And so that acquisition eventually led to the company being renamed Top Golf Callaway. It's Top Golf, Top Golf Callaway Brands uh, last year. There are 70 Top Golf locations. I actually think that might be up to like 80 now. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's all really, really, you know, crazy stuff, how everybody's trying to figure out these ways to, to essentially profit on people's interest in sports and playing sports, watching sports, you know, whatever it is, the sports business is just, is just absolutely booming. So, um, so yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, a little bit of a new spin, the top golf of baseball, and then some new golf ideas that are kind of a little bit more involved than top golf as well. So some, uh. Yeah, some 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 cool stuff there. So, uh, any other thoughts? Because we're getting ready. It's almost that time. 
We're getting ready to move into quick hits. Any other thoughts before we jump into quick hits? Let's get it. All right. Here we go then, gents. Quick hits. NFL receiver Brandon Cooks was just traded for the fourth time in his career. And this is kind of uh, impressive because that actually ties him for the NFL record for most times ever having been traded for a player in their career. The other two players that he's tied with are Eric Dickerson (laughs) and linebacker Kiko Alonso. And the thing that's interesting is Dickerson and Alonzo, neither one of them ever played a down for the fourth team that they were traded to. But clearly Brandon Cooks is not only going to be expected to play, but really should probably play a very important role in that offense because he got traded to the Dallas Cowboys and they really have a, have a need for him. So it's uh yeah, it's very, very interesting, and I have a little bit more information. But first things first, uh, what are you guys? What are your thoughts on Brandon Cooks? Yeah, I have, I have a feeling he just got traded again. Um, yeah, it no, just happened. I, breaking yeah, news. Yeah, breaking news. I think it just <laughs> happened again. So no, uh, you know what? I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, I think he's still uh, very talented, and like you, Ted, yeah, he's he's absolutely going to be playing um, and and producing. I, I think he he definitely yeah. does produce. Uh, his numbers are are crazy. I, I I'm I'm with I'm with the fact that he's going to get out there and he's absolutely going to um, rip it up for them. And um, you know he's on my he's on my fantasy team somehow, some way. <laughs> I always end up you know landing with him, and he'll give me one or two weeks where it's great numbers. Other you know for the rest of the time he's on my bench. But yes, <laughs> there you go. Absolutely, there you he, go. He, he's going to produce, and he'll he's yeah he's. <laughs> no, he's still good. Six six one thousand yeah. yard season since twenty fifteen. Uh, 29 years old, all 8,600 yards and 49 touchdowns in nine years. I I want to know what he's done to get traded so many times. I I, I just that's what <laughs> I want to know. Yeah, is Brandon Cooks just a jerk? Like everyone hates his guts. Like what is going on that this guy can't stay on a team? He's never ever part of a team's long term plans, and I don't understand why. No, I. Pretty sure Texans might have been the longest he's played for anyone. That was three years, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, I have a little bit of information here. If we go back over Brandon Cooks, people kind of forget because Brandon Cooks now is just you know he's a speedster. He's a you know he's not really considered number one receiver. He's a solid guy, number two type deal. But in early in his career, he was viewed, Brandon Cooks was viewed as a premium number one type receiver. Wow. And so the first two times he was traded, he got a lot for the, now again, it's a little bit different now, right? He's, he's almost 30 years old. But to give you an idea, he was initially with the Saints and he got traded to the Patriots. When Brandon Cooks got traded from the Saints to the Patriots, the Patriots got Brandon Cooks and a 2017 fourth round pick. The Patriots gave the Saints a 2017 first round pick oh, wow. and a 2017 third round pick. So Brandon Cooks had had back-to-back thousand yard seasons with the Saints. He was 23 years old 
And so they thought that he would be the long-term number one receiver for the Patriots. He did help them make uh, their Super Bowl run in 2018. But a first and a third. Now, I will say it was pick number 32 in the first round. So it was a very, very late first. But still, a first and a third for Brandon Cooks. That was the first trade. If we look at the second trade, uh, and oh, by the way, New England got rid of him after one year. One year. So they gave up a first and a third, and then they let Brandon Cooks go after one year. And the Saints used that first-round pick to select all-pro offensive tackle Ryan Ramchak. So New Orleans clearly won the trade. Then Brandon Cooks gets traded to the Rams. The Rams got Brandon Cooks and a fourth-round pick in 2018. The Patriots got a 2018 first-round pick and a sixth-round pick. And that was first-round pick number 23. So essentially, the Patriots pretty much got back what they gave up for Brandon Cooks in the first place uh, to be able to turn around and ship him off to the Rams. And it's just crazy. I mean, we're talking multiple first-round picks have been traded for Brandon Cooks over the years, but teams do not use him for any period of time. A year, two years, and then then they let him go. Wow. Yeah, pretty crazy. The Patriots used that first-round pick on tackle Isaiah Wynn, just for the record. Been very injury-prone. But, um, yeah. So then the Rams got one 1,000-yard season out of Cooks. And he led the team in receptions and receiving yards during their 2019 Super Bowl run. Then in his second season, he had some injuries and his play regressed, and then they traded him to the Texans. And they got less than they gave up. So the Texans got Brandon Cooks and a fourth-round pick again, and the Rams got a second-round pick. So this is when we start seeing things kind of drop off a little bit. Uh, And now the Cowboys got him and gave up a fifth- and a sixth-round pick for him. That's So he's rarely with a team longer than one year. As I said, Texans are probably uh, his longest stint in the NFL. So last year, this is actually funny to me, though. So last year, listen, he had 57 receptions, 699 yards, and three TDs. He missed four games. He sat out a game because he didn't get traded. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because uh, yeah, he did not want to play for the Texans and they wouldn't let him no, go. It- <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the picture that's is beginning fantastic. a little clearer on why Brandon Cooks does not stay with teams for very long. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> oh my god, it's great. Trade me yeah. or I refuse to play. That's great. Oh. That's great. That is great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I thought that was very interesting. So so when inevitably Brandon Cooks does get traded again, yeah. uh, he will set the all-time NFL record for number of trades. Uh, that will be his fifth trade the next time he's traded. And uh, no, happen. and I think it'll happen like just for that specific reason. I really do. <laughs> like, I think they will just do yep. a solid and trade this guy just so yeah. he can have like a record of being traded. I, I really do. I mean, everyone yeah. knows. Do the right do thing. The do right the right thing, thing Dallas. Trade, trade him. Trade you him know. like week six. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, everyone knows him. he's now tied for the record. So, of course, they're going to go out and trade this guy. We'll give him two years, <laughs> stops, and then he'll get traded yeah. again. So it's definitely going to happen. That's fantastic. You know, if he doesn't, he no. won't play. He will set out a game if he does not get traded. <laughs> he wants the record. Like he, he did. 
he was he sat out for the Texans just because he didn't like them. He didn't want to play for them. Now he has something he wants. He wants that record. So you better believe he'll break his own leg to make sure he doesn't have to play. Brandon Cooks doesn't care. Brandon Cooks will definitely get himself out of a team if he wants to. He'll find a way out. That guy's something. All right. So uh, as we move on, quick hits. We talked earlier about the NCAA tournament and brackets being busted. ESPN tweeted out that out of 20 million brackets filled out online, zero, zero perfect brackets remain going into the Sweet 16. I mean, this isn't even into the Final Four of the championship game. This is only halfway through the tournament, and zero out of 20 million brackets remain for the NCAA tournament through ESPN. Can you imagine that? How quickly did your – you said your brackets were out, Hefe. How quickly did they uh, did they break out? Uh, after the first round of games. The first round <laughs> of games went done, and my bracket was not perfect any, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first yeah. games went off. I'm out. (laughs) Yeah, hard to be too surprised. But I'll tell you who who definitely got their feelings hurt a little bit. We've all done this in life. We've done this. Anyone listening to this has done this. We've all made a bet. Maybe we shouldn't have made it. Maybe we were trying to prove a point. Maybe we were a little too loyal to, to a team. Well, one better at Caesar Sportsbook had a $150,000 wager on number two, Arizona. The money line was minus 1,200. He would have won $12,500. He was betting $150,000 to win 12,500. Instead, number 15, Princeton pulls off the upset and wins 59,55 and instead of this guy winning 12,500 on his $150,000 bet, he lost $150,000 because a number 15 in Princeton upsets number 2 wow. in Arizona. He literally thought this was a no-lose bet. Exactly. Like, hey man, why not? I got the 150 grand. I'll make an easy 125 yeah. on top of it and turn, you know, turn turn my 150 into 1625. Like that's not even in a matter of 2 hours. Cool. That's in a matter of 2 hours is he was he was looking that's to it. get that type yeah. of return it's on like, investment. Yeah. $12,000 yeah. in 2 hours. <clears throat> That's insanity. It's so easy. I can't lose. There's no way that number two Arizona is going to lose to number 15 Princeton. And in fact, I'm so sure I'll bet $150,000 on it right now. Dude had one too many Long Island iced teas. He put 150 grand down on Arizona to beat Princeton. And I, that man may have never been heard from again. I'm not sure that he's still uh, among the living because when that story gets told and uh, boy, 150 grand lost just like that, man. God, so, your bet, man. Put a little money on the other way. Just, just yes. if you're willing to risk that, oh man, that's just dumb. Yeah, the money line was a was a minus 1200. I mean, at least put put a thousand dollars on Princeton. Like, what's why not make something? I mean, this is a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bet. I mean, you really, ooh, 
man, you, you, gosh, I don't know. Man. People are crazy with this betting sometimes. And again, sometimes it's just overconfidence or you're, you're you know, you're on a heater and you just sure. think you can't lose. We've all been there. But um, yeah, that's that isn't that isn't the way to do it. Speaking of making the bets, man, I have a, a few buddies that uh, they're they they schedule their vacations uh, around in Vegas for the for the first weekend of the of the tournament. Like it hmm. is like from what I understand and things that I've read and seen, like being in Vegas the first weekend of the tournament is like insanity. Like it is almost, almost like the rodeo when it comes into town uh, for <laughs> Vegas or, or like the Super Bowl yeah. or New Year's. Like it is supposedly the place to be. All the sports books are like jam packed wall to wall. You're talking about games from morning all the way into the evening. Like, <sighs> I get it. I'd love to see it. I don't know that I'd risk much money on it. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely fun. Not definitely not 150,000. Mm. <laughs> no. No, man. That is yeah, I don't know, man. People do some crazy things. Yep. And particularly when it's tournament related, uh, you you always hear some crazy betting stories and things that come out. So that that one that one's definitely uh a pretty crazy one. Um moving on. Quick hits. World Baseball Classic is going on right now. Pitcher for Japan, Roki Sasaki. Keep an eye on the name Roki Sasaki if this guy ends up coming over to America to play in Major League Baseball. Roki Sasaki, in his game the other night, threw 20 fastballs. Now, I don't know if these were his first 20 pitches of the game or anything, but he had thrown 20 fastballs. Here is the velocity on the 20 fastballs thrown 101.8 miles per hour, 101.7, 100.9, were thrown over 100 miles an hour, total average velocity 100.5 miles an hour. That's that's disgusting. I don't know who is going to be able to stand up to that. All right, I mean, to, the, 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 lots of pitchers can get out there and throw 100 miles an hour. Not for 20 fastballs. Like you're not doing that after 20 pitches of any kind. Even if you weren't throwing, if you threw a fastball and then you threw eight changeups and a couple sliders, and you go back to your fastball, you're probably not throwing 101 miles an hour. So uh, this this guy, that's pretty crazy. If he's if he's throwing that. And if any of those pitches at 100 miles an hour when they're coming in, if they have any movement, mm-hmm. whether they go in or if they go out, it is so lethal. And so you as a batter, you just you no, you basically no are just making – you're just hoping that you can get the bat out there and, and making contact at it. You know what I mean? And if you do, it's quick two foul balls. Next thing you know, he's going to throw you some change up, some junk, and you're just going to be like, because his arm's going to be coming at the same rate of speed. Right. He's just just releasing it differently, and next thing you know, you're thinking it's coming in at 100, and it's coming, you know, at you at 83 miles an hour, and you're just you're swinging <laughs> yeah. at air, and then the that's ball when you're gets falling there. down on your yeah. knees, man. <laughs> I mean, that's disgusting, man. And I was talking to uh, my cousin's husband, and he we were, we were watching the game yesterday, which, by the way, 
uh, the championship game is on right now, and Japan's winning uh, at the top of the six, three to one, just to keep our sports fans uh, oppressed of what's going on. So Japan is is winning right now uh, against U.S. Um, so we were talking, and he is one of probably I, I don't I I think there's probably like maybe ten people that right now that are in the bigs that are are that are hitting at a hundred miles an hour at a consistency rate, and that they're turning them into closers because. Or like uh, middle end relievers because it's like by the time you get in the ball game later in the ball game to see speed at that rate coming in, it's yeah. you're 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 hoping that your eyes can adjust to it and, and you you can get a bat around to it. It's disgusting. How do you yeah. get that? No, oh, it's crazy. And I, you know, I mean, w- with the recent addition of Shohei Otani to Major League Baseball, and so we're seeing these these players come over from Asia. You know, it used to be, you know, the Caribbean, the Latin American countries where all the players coming from. But boy, these players coming over from Japan, sure. they're no joke in baseball, man. These these guys, it's gonna it's gonna continue to make an impact. I mean, Otani's obviously a monster, yeah. but there's gonna be some other pretty impressive Japanese players coming over and continuing to, to trickle over here and. And when they do, uh, they're gonna, they're showing us some things that we just haven't seen before. So it's uh, it's impressive. All right, so moving on, quick hits. We talked a little bit about this last week in the XFL and how really they just straight up and turned into a conversation about the people of St. Louis and how they were screwed by the NFL, uh, but <laughs> but showing that they are supporting their team uh, last week. Over 38,000 St. Louis fans came out to support the St. Louis Battlehawks. 38,000 people for an XFL game. And for people that might have thought, well, that was a fluke because it was their home opener. They played their second home game, and they had over 35,000 people show up for an XFL game. XFL in certain cities is really, really starting to catch on, and St. Louis is definitely one of those cities very impressive what do you guys think about 35 and thirty-eight thousand people showing up for an xfl game could you imagine being stuck in traffic because you want to watch an xfl game i just i don't (laughs) i I, I don't know i mean good on them i mean but it's just yeah why i I, why there's the love of football that much that you just have to go see i would even i don't know third tier football at this point i don't know it, it just yeah maybe it's just to prove a point that they can they can handle it and and that's the only thing i can think of because you can't have this much interest in an xfl team uh, I, you just come on i guess they just really love uh love football so. there so i mean from what i'm hearing are, are you guys not even giving the xfl a chance like are you still in the mindset that it's still Vince McMahon saying, you know, <laughs> you know, let's let's get ready to rumble and and the two players are coming to collide to, to get you know get the football to yeah, see who gets the ball. Like, I, I walk around my house wearing my he hate me jersey, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, 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 my Ron Smart jersey. That's it. Look, I hope the XFL succeeds, but I will also tell you I don't think I've watched a down of it. This, I've, this I've watched season. I've watched some of it, and um, I I'm. I'm giving it more of a chance only because of uh, reasons like that. Uh, they're bringing football back to St. Louis, right? Uh, 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 you know, uh, basically an area that's been known to support their teams, right? Yeah, the Cardinals, yeah. they always show up. They're always there. So, you know, good on them for them for doing that. But, um, you know, this has the backing of the NFL. The NFL yes. is is 
testing rules out and things of that nature with with the XFL. So that's why I think it will actually have a chance to succeed. Um, and I just think that I'm, I want to give it a chance. I'm, I'm watching some of the games. I haven't picked a team that I like more than any other. Um, but hearing stories like that, that's awesome. Like, yeah, let's yeah. go. I, I hope it, I, I hope it does succeed and, and it gives us that something once the NFL is over. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like it in theory. Like I said, I just yeah. I don't I just haven't watched any of the games. I, I uh I when the football season's over for me, I'm busy and I'm not I'm not I just don't even think about football sure. like again. I'm not one of those people I like the idea in theory uh, that I can watch football all year round, but I won't watch right. football all year round. Right. Like yeah. I just don't have the time in my schedule to watch football <laughs> year round. So it's I love the fact that it's there, but yeah. I uh, you know, and there's not a, if there was an XFL team where I lived or something like that, then maybe it's a little maybe it's a little bit different, but it's it takes a long time to get traction. Think I mean they've been trying to push soccer on Americans for like 50 years now and people still we barely refuse. care. Like it's now starting to catch, you know, yeah, it's starting to get traction for sure. But it didn't happen in two years. You know, like it takes a long time because fans just don't they don't have loyalty. They didn't grow up with an XFL team that they were rooting for. You know, it wasn't like, oh, my granddad was a St. Louis Battlehawks fan and my dad was a St. Louis Battlehawks fan. And now I'm one. That's just not how it is in the XFL. They're planting seeds. But by partnering with the NFL, now you're hearing the XFL talked about all the time on ESPN and all these other things. So it does legitimize it more in the in in the in the mind of the fan, just the general fan, it legitimizes the XFL more when they see it talked about on ESPN and interviews are being done about it and all of these things. So they're making inroads. It's going to take time, but oh, they're definitely uh, yeah, making inroads. It, it, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't even know if they're going to have enough time to make those inroads. The viewership on TV is down from week one, it's been, it's been slowly declining and this is what it always is. Right. I mean, XFL, when, when Vince McMahon was doing it, he, you know, it, it was the first time, you know, how many people watched that. And then by the end yeah. of the championship, nobody cared at all about it. And then, you know, you got the USFL that's starting up. I, I don't know. They may have already started up. I, I, I just remember seeing the April. April. Okay. So April USFL comes in. I I like the idea of, I just, you know, football's so different, man. Like it it just, I don't even know if you could have like a minor league team, right? Because you don't want your rookie running back who's not going to see much playing time, but you don't want him going to the minor leagues and putting more wear and tear on his body and potentially getting hurt. So I don't even know if a minor league in football even makes sense just because of the fact of injuries and everything else that go on there. So we'll see. I I could see it maybe becoming like a, a, you know, if they can try and partner with the NFL and maybe become like a minor league or something. I just, I, I don't know. Maybe if they start relegating teams, that might be, that might interest me a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, that could get yeah. interesting for sure. <laughs> it's my favorite word when it comes to sports and professional sports. There's yep. too many of them, and too many of them aren't good. If you started regulating yep. those things, man, and have, having teams that stink drop down to a minor yeah. league system, oh, yeah. baby, it would keep the good ones good. And yeah, uh, 100%, 100%. Very true. So. All right, guys, so we're going to move toward wrapping up, but we have one more thing here in quick hits. 
NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell is expected to sign a multi-year extension next week. Uh, It was revealed in 2020 that Goodell was making roughly $63.9 million per year. Roger Goodell has reportedly made approximately $500 million (laughs) since becoming commissioner in 2006. That's more than any player has made in NFL history. Over 500 or approximately 500. Hundred million dollars made by Roger Goodell since 2006. What are your thoughts? He's getting paid accordingly. Uh, he has the best product, the most entertaining, the most watched, the most valued uh, franchises that are out there. I mean, he might be getting underpaid. There you go. Come I said on. it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, Sixty-five million a year, roughly, is not a crazy number. I no. mean. For when you're running, <laughs> when you're the commissioner of a of a, an entire league that could be worth, gosh, I don't even know what we would say. Would it be a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred billion dollars? To think that the commissioner of that league would make sixty four, sixty five million a year doesn't seem all that crazy. So they, I, don't I know. mean, they brought him in for one reason, and that was to create revenue. So when he took over um, the national revenue was around 6.54 billion. Um, last year's numbers, I don't believe have come out, but in 2021, the NFL generated $11 billion. And, and so they doubled then they, in that period of time it. since 2006. So that means that they've distributed all 32 clubs, uh, three, about 300 and 44 million dollars, give or take. He's got a goal to generate $25 million in revenue by 2027. So $25 billion yep, this is, this is cool. by 2027 to generate $25 billion by 2027. Yep. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, they brought him in. People hate Roger Goodell with a passion. I mean, I don't, I don't, but I, I don't know anyone that loves any of the, you know, sports Commissioner. commissioners, but, yeah. um, yeah, he, he's doing exactly what the NFL owners want him to do, and that's make money for the league. And I don't know. I feel like I could probably come in as commissioner and still make money for the league. So I don't know that it would be yeah. that yeah, terribly sure. difficult. Yeah, I don't know how much of this at this point has to do with his skill, but it can't be easy to be walking around all day, every day, and people hate your guts. And I personally don't have any real hey, issue with fine. Roger Goodell. I'm not saying that I like every right. decision that gets made, but he's also not the guy who makes right. all the decisions. People are so small-minded where they see a target and they think that everything that happens – is because Roger Goodell is sitting, you know, behind the curtain in an ivory tower and says, I want this to happen. I want to do this. I want to, he has so little real power. The owners have the things that they want done. His job is just to find a way to make it happen. And everyone hates him. And yet they don't really have a problem with their owner. A lot of times, you know, if the owners, if the owner's willing to spend the money to get the players they want, they love their owner. No problems. And then they hate Roger Goodell when in reality, their owner is probably the one that's really making the decisions that they hate Goodell for executing. So yeah, seems a little crazy. The Joker is roughly making about 2 million per team. Um, His expenses. I mean, if you think about it, $65 million, it adds up really quickly. So I get that he's at $500 million in a career span of what he's earned. Um, But I mean, what are his expenses? 
you know, the NFL has their own private jet. So anywhere he goes, he flies to it. I mean, everything that he does, he, he, he has no expenses and he's living like that money keeps adding up in his bank account and it's going to continue to add up in his bank. account. I guess once you get to that point though, like, you know, Roger Goodell's not going to own an NFL team. He's not, you know, like, but what do you, I guess this is your hobby. This is your Like you're just a lifer at this point. I don't even know because how much off season does Roger Goodell get? Like how many, I, I, you know, right. it's just weird, man. Like I, I like he's, in his sixties right now, I'm I'm assuming. I mean, think so. Um, so how long is this going to keep going? And then after that, like he's just done. Like like I, you have all the money you could ever possibly need in the world. So now you're just doing it because you love either love the sport or you love the power, maybe both. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like I think I would just do one year and then just be like, all right, I'm good and. <laughs> Just for time. <laughs> that was yeah. fun. See you guys. Yeah. Good luck <laughs> next year. I yeah, I just I can't imagine. Like, I don't know. Like he's gonna be eighty and have, you know, a billion dollars. Okay, now what? You're eighty. So what are you gonna do with this? I, I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the, the bottom line is the guy has been impressive at his job. Like Roger Goodell. Hate Roger Goodell. You can't argue with the fact that Roger Goodell has been successful in the job that he was hired to do. No question. And if you're extremely successful making money for billionaires, you're going to get paid a lot of money. So they make the they make the decision on what again, the fans aren't the ones paying Roger Goodell. Like it's not coming from the fans. So it's not coming out of your pocket or my pocket. It's coming out of the owner's pocket. And look, they they've done very well with Roger Goodell. So there's no that's why it just comes out in just like a random tweet saying, oh, yeah, it looks like Roger Goodell will be signing next week. A new deal yeah. <laughs> is because it's not momentous because there's no big story here. It's like, yeah, no, he's going to continue staying here and printing yeah. money for us. We're not letting right. anything change. Yeah. So anyway, that is quick hits. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show here. But as I like to do the end of each show i like to come up with some random interesting fact this is a public service really so that people can go when they've listened to the show they get some value out of it besides the tremendous entertainment that they've gotten they can go to their friends and their family and tell them this really bizarre interesting fact that they that they heard on the you get the horn show and today's fact is really i think an interesting weird fact I will tell it to you. We do not have to explain it because I don't even think there's going to be, first of all, we've already gone too long anyway, but there's not even anything to explain really. This is just a very strange, bizarre fact. The craziest fact, there is a 50% chance that in a group of 23 people, two of them will share the same birthday. 50% chance in a group of 23 people that two of them will share the same birthday. I do not know why. I want to be super clear. I researched this. I double checked this. This seems to be accurate. I do not understand all of the mathematics and the formulas on how you could come up with that. But if you have a group of 23 people, there's a 50% chance that two of those 23 will have the same birthday. Huh. Yeah. No idea why. But there's your random fact for the day. 
Suck on that. Random indeed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, gents. Anything else before we wrap it up for tonight? No, sir. Spay and and neuter your cats. Yep. (laughs) Thank you. Honestly, another public service announcement. Let's go make that run in the tourney. There you go. Still moving. Still still in there. Still making it happen. All right, gents. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, Thank you, America, for being entertained. Thank you, world, for accepting the entertainment that we have offered you. And you have taken us in with open arms, and we appreciate it. So thanks, everybody. Have a good day, and we will talk to you soon. Yep.